You're listening to the Covenant Original Series, The Route of Wolves. What does it mean to be a Christian mother and wife from a biblical perspective? In this teaching, we will hear from four different women representing different life stages and what it means to hold a biblical worldview in each stage of life. Today we are um, continuing our series, The Route of Wolves. We spent the first week talking about the church, what the church looks like, how a healthy church should function. Then we spent the next week talking about fathers and husbands, what it looks like to be a godly husband, to lead your family, what it looks like to be a godly father and lead your children. And then last week we talked to students and young adults. And today we are going to specifically be speaking about what it looks like to be a godly woman in our day and time. Now, what's exciting about this is that I get a day off. I'm super excited about that. You better not clap for that, by the way. Um, uh, You are going to hear from four women from our church, from your own family right here, from their perspective of what it looks like to live, be, function as a godly woman uh, in our day and time. Now, the reason that we're doing this is because uh, I don't really know what it's like to be a girl. So, um, so I think that we have some great people within our own walls who have some awesome things to teach us from Scripture. We have Devin, we have Emily, we have Stacy, we have Miss Sue, and each one of them representing a different demographic. And so I know sometimes when, when you hear a sermon, when you hear a teaching, you might say, well, you don't get it because you're not in your 40s yet, or you don't get it because you're not an empty nester. But here we have Devin representing uh, all the ladies who are in their 20s. Can you give a hand for Devin this morning? Yep. And we have Emily over here. You can come up and hang. Just hang tight with me right here. We have Emily over here representing ladies in their 30s. You don't have to get up. You can give her a better hand than that. Yeah. We have Stacy representing the women in their uh, demographic of their 40s. And then Miss Sue. Uh, is representing ladies who are not in the 40-year-old demographic. So you can also clap for her as well. We're thankful for them. Devin was very excited to speak today. How did first service go, by the way? Do you know what happened to me first service? My wife's van broke down, and I had to leave and go pick her up. So I haven't even heard you speak yet. Yeah, so I'm excited, so don't let me down. All right, hey, here's the deal. I, I, I've heard that pastors and preachers, teachers do a better job speaking when the church preaches back to them. So I want you, just like I always ask you to help me preach my sermon, I want you to be gracious and help them teach today. Can you guys do that? Yes? Oh. Can you please do that? Can you please do that? Yes? All right. Good. All right. Here we go. All right. So I'm going to ask a little bit of grace from you guys. And on my end, I'm going to try not to talk as fast as I can. Um, so a little bit about me. I'm 21 years old. Um, I go, I'm a senior at Indiana Wesleyan University, about to graduate in the spring, and I'm also newly married. Um, we just got married in September. So I'm in this phase of life that I'm approaching graduation, but I'm also adjusting to being married. I'm looking into grad schools and kind of thinking about the next stage of life. Um, and I think that this time of life is just full of so many vague plans and kind of, um, visions for your life and, just so many opportunities for direction. And I think that it's the first time really in your life that you have full control over that. In your 20s, um, it's the first time that you can decide where you want to go and what you want to do and how you want to live your life. And it's such an important time. But I have found, I think, to be one of the biggest challenges of being in your 20s 
is to just, is having all that pressure on you. Um, you have a lot of eyes on you and a lot of people watching you kind of to see what you're going to do. Um, if you're single, people are wondering maybe when you're going to get married or if you're going to get married. Um, being in college, is she going to be successful? What is she going to do with her life? I feel a lot of, um, you know, where are they going to live and when are they going to have kids? Just a lot of people wondering about your life and watching you and just kind of waiting to see. And I think that it's really easy to get caught up in that pressure and lose God's vision for your life. It's really easy to chase after your own goals in life based on what other people are doing or based on what you think you should be doing. And it's really easy to kind of lose that calling that God has placed on your life. But what sets us aside, I think, as Christian women in our 20s is that we have this amazing opportunity to take that pressure and all those eyes on you and be a leader with it. You have so many people watching you that you have all these amazing opportunities to do something unique with that. So someone in scripture who has really been an example to me and reading about her just has been really awesome um, is Deborah the prophet. So she was a prophet mentioned in the book of Judges. She came during this time of major turmoil and these people were just looking for a leader. And what was so unique about her was that she was a woman during this time who came to be a leader. And she killed it. She did so good at this leadership position that she was placed in by God. And she had so many qualities about her that I think can be really inspiring today in um, this phase of life that I'm in. So in Judges 4... Four through five, um, we see that she is wise and available. Um, the children of Israel came up to her for judgment and were asking her for her wisdom. And they came to her um, just asking for her to share this leadership and this wisdom with them. And I just think that's really cool, being in this time and being the first woman prophet, that people are still looking to her for that leadership. Um, we see in Judges 5 that she's humble and grateful. She is described as singing praises to God and thanking him. Something that I think was really cool. Um, she says, hear this, you kings. Listen, you rulers. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will praise the Lord, the God of Israel, in song. So she's telling these kings and these rulers, and most of them being men, that I am humbling myself to thank the one who put me here, to thank the one who is the king and... She's just really grateful and humble in that position. But most importantly, um, Deborah was a messenger of the Lord. She filtered all of her leadership and all of her decision-making through this lens of God that she has at the forefront of her mind in everything she does. And that is so important. And I think that's the one quality that can set a godly woman aside in this time of life, is not making those decisions for yourself or for those people around you or the people watching you, but to filter those decisions through that lens of God. Being um, a leader myself in certain positions, I often have time, often have felt like an unexpected leader. Maybe not because I'm a woman, but maybe because of my age, being young. Maybe because of my personality or that I don't really see myself as being outgoing. Or maybe just my phase of life. I think it's easy in this phase to feel like um, you're unexpected or you're not adequate. And it's so important to remember that in every phase of life, we have to be that leader. 
no matter how we feel, no matter if we don't feel like we can, that is our calling that God has given us. We have to be leaders in every phase of life, in every situation, every community that you're in. Someone is watching you, and someone is going to look to see how you are leading people. From Deborah, we can take um, the qualities that she has and be humble and be grateful and absolutely wise. It's so important to remember that we have so much wisdom to share, even in our 20s. Um, we have learned things, and we need to remember that we have that to share with others. So I have learned um, just to never feel inadequate and to just kind of take all that pressure that you feel in this time of life and use it for something good and lead those around you. Because as godly women in our 20s, we are always called to be a Deborah. Please help me welcome Miss Emily. Hi. Good morning. Um, I'm Emily, and I represent the 30s, so I'm in my 30s, in case you were wondering. I look so good like I'm in my 20s. I'm actually in my 30s. Um, but there's, um, when I'm thinking about, like, all the things that have been going on in my life in my 30s, um, there's, there's two things that I can't, I can't leave out because they greatly impact what my days look like. And those two things have been becoming a mom um, and, and being an art teacher. And I spend a lot of time with kids. Um, so my days are like utter chaos. Um, and I, there's just a lot to do. There's just always things going on and places to go. And I have a never-ending to-do list. And there's chores and um, errands and dinner to make and lunches to pack. And um, just a lot of responsibility in, the, in this phase of life and being a mom. And um, I actually found a, a photo that I wanted to share with you guys because I think it really like accurately depicts what it feels like to like be a mom. <laughs> um, yeah, that's actually me like leaving on a Monday morning. Um, I call it pack mule Monday because some reason like we have all these bags and this stuff we take with us to like to work and to school. And um, I don't know why, like we have everything we own leaves with us, but I, I feel like that because there's just a lot going on. Um, and that's not really me, in case you didn't know. Um, but it's a sculpture called um, The Weight of a Mother's Love. Um, and I think as moms, we, we really feel all of that weight of the responsibility that we have. Um, and, and on top of that, there's, um, you guys know, like, mom guilt. You're, like, you're familiar with mom guilt. And, like, the, the thoughts and the fears and the doubts and um, the voices that, that tell you um, you're, not, you're not doing enough and, and you're messing it up and you should be spending more time with your kids and... Um, these moments like hit me in the, in the weirdest times, like when I'm just feeling super overwhelmed, um, like at odd times. I, I have this ongoing argument with my daughter about leggings. Um, I know all you parents out there know what that feels like to argue about clothes, um, but we have this like ongoing argument. And um, it's like in these arguments, I just freak out. I'm like, I, I must be the worst mom ever because I can't get my kid to wear anything except leggings and a t-shirt. Like, how am I ever going to get her to follow Jesus? Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's funny, but it's like real. It's like real reality. Um, and I, I feel just overwhelmed a lot. And um, a couple months ago, I just really wanted to deal with these thoughts and these feelings and started reading in um, Exodus uh, about the Israelites and uh, the time when they were uh, slaves. And the Pharaoh at the time was afraid of the Israelites uprising and their numbers overtaking the Egyptians. And um, 
So he, he puts the, the Israelites into slavery, and, and he's hoping that this is going to diminish their numbers. And that actually doesn't work. Their, their numbers increase. And so Pharaoh goes to plan B, and plan B is genocide. So now he wants to start killing off the Israelite, the Hebrew baby boys that are born at this time. And he's going to go through this plan um, using two Israelite women um, named Shifra and Pua. Um, so you just thank your mama that your name ain't Shifra and Pua, but... Um, the, these girls are tasked with this just awful, awful task of having to kill off, like, their friends and families and neighbors' babies. And um, you know, sometimes I read scripture, and it just hits me like a ton, a ton of bricks. And this is one of those stories where I, I just like to put myself in their shoes and think, gosh, I cannot imagine what it must have uh, felt like to be them and to be overwhelmed and to be afraid. And um, just the responsibility of this this command that they were given by Pharaoh, and, and what were they going to do? And so, of course, I had to read on and, and hear what they did and what their, their response was. And um, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about what they actually did, except for two things. Uh, and number one is that these girls had um, a fear of the Lord. And, and this is not like a fear of like being afraid of like snakes. This is like a fear and like a reverence and, and a confidence and a faith in God. Um, and the, these girls had heard all the stories of generations before them of the power of God and, and how God could work. And so they had this faith in God, and they knew that he was going to be over this, this situation. And um, so they don't go th- through with uh, Pharaoh's plan. And um, somehow Pharaoh lets these girls live, and they go on to have their own families and babies, and God blesses their lives. And uh, I, I just started to think, like, okay, if these girls can have this, this kind of confidence— um, in these, like, life and death circumstances. Like, certainly I can have this, this same kind of confidence in my to-do list or in, in all the things, all the responsibilities that I have and the chaos and, and the fear that I feel for my children's fear, future. And um, so my question for us today is, how often are we letting these, these voices of fear and failure and doubt and feelings of just being overwhelmed impact what our days look like. Um, I know when I'm feeling all those things, I get a little snippy. Um, I'm not the most loving. I'm not the most kind. I'm not the most generous to my family. Um, and, and these voices sound, sound something like this. You know, you're not doing enough, and, and you're messing it up. And I, and I start questioning, like, Lord, do you really have all of this? Like, do you see all of this responsibility that I have? And, and how, how are we going to deal with this, Lord? And um, these voices are, are lies. These, these voices are not from God. These are the voices challenging my ability to get all this stuff done. And um, there, there's 21 different verses in Scripture that God promises to help us when we feel afraid and when we feel overwhelmed. And um, it's like in this chaos, I just cling to these promises. And he, he knows that we need this constant reminder to put our faith and confidence in him. And I love the example of Shifra and Pua and um, I kind of like to think of them having like a little bit of like lady swagger, like, yeah, Pharaoh, come at us. Like we got God on our side. You know, we have to have this confidence in God and in our situations to raise our children, not in my own abilities, but in the confidence of Christ. These girls didn't even have the Holy Spirit living in them. We have that power living inside of us. And it's in this confidence that we must take on our days as moms or in roles where we have a lot of responsibility. Um, And I I love the verses in um, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says this. Do not be anxious about everything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
I think even the ones about leggings apply here. Um, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And it's, it's that peace that, that guards my mind and my heart from those voices because I know, I know I'm not relying on my own abilities. I, I've got to put that to the wayside. And I know and I trust that I've got to ask God for help and that he's going to help me. And then I, I am moving through my days in his power and it's his peace that will quiet all those voices of fear and doubt. My friend Stacy is going to come up next. Hi, I'm Stacy. I am the Sea Kids director here, and I love my job and all your adorable children. Um, I'm representing 40s, um, and I'm very proud to be 40, 43, by the way. Um, so um, I wanted to start off telling a little bit about myself. I um, was born at midnight, and um, my parents were given the choice between August 7th or August 8th as my birthday. And uh, my dad chose 8-8, which is fine. But while my dad was filling out this paperwork for my birth record, there was a doctor or a nurse somewhere else filling out paperwork also, creating two separate identities for Stacy. So um, it's been really interesting most of my life. But, um, but as I was asked to speak today, I thought I have to begin with that story because I had, I had an identity crisis at one minute of my life. So... But over the years, we've had very many different identities, and some of them are identities that we have chosen for ourselves and other identities that God has chosen for us. So the very first identity I wanted to talk about was when I was in grade school. I wanted to be a straight-A student. I wanted to be the last kid standing for the spelling bee. I wanted to be on the honor roll, because if you were on the honor roll in my grade school, you actually got ice cream on the last Friday of the month. Like, weird. Um, unfortunately, I was never the last kid on the spelling bee, and uh, I never got that ice cream. So um, I tried really hard. But um, in grade school, I wanted so badly to be known as an A-plus student. So here are my stickers. Hi, my name is A-plus student. I tried. Okay. Um, but in grade school, I wanted to be known as a I'm sorry, in middle school, I wanted to be known as a friend. I wanted to have that friend that I could depend on and be that friend to someone. I moved a lot, so having that friend meant everything in the world to me. I wanted to have those girlfriends that you could tell each other's secret and you could do each other's hair. Like, that's what I wanted to be known as, was friend. In high school, as everyone was making those decisions for college, bragging about it, where they were going to go. Uh, Miss Stacy here was like, uh, I don't think I could do that. Um, hence the no honor roll thing. Um, I was like, I'm just not even going to try that. Um, let's just move on. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to get a job and I'm going to be successful. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show them I don't need college. So I got a job at a law firm as a senior and I loved my job. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to be a big old success. <laughs> okay, so, um, but because I fell in love with Mr. Edwards in high school, I uh, <laughs> became a wife, and I had two sweet little girls um, in my 20s, and I became 
the best mom that I could possibly be. I loved my girls more than life itself. It was an identity that I did not have to fake. It was just all mine, and God blessed me, and I got to stay home with my girls, and it was the most amazing 20 years of my life. But because babies grow up, um, God needs to prepare mamas that they're going to leave home. And uh, I, uh, my heart began to crumble because my girls were my world. I was the most obsessive mom ever. And um, so I couldn't imagine my life with my girls being gone. So I began to pray and ask God, what can I do next? I loved ministry and I thought, I will, I will have a career. That's what I'll do. And guess what? I actually tried this college thing. <laughs> Finally, and I loved it, and uh, I actually got on the honor roll. The honor roll. Um, thank you. <laughs> I am still looking for that ice cream, but whatever. Okay, so I only had one year left of my degree, and I was ecstatic to have this career ahead of me. I thought, I'm going to do this, you know, it's going to be great. And then um, we got a phone call that changed everything. Um, it was a caseworker explaining the story of these two little boys who um, were distant relatives of mine, and they so desperately needed a home. And somehow, my phone number got connected to their file. This guy began to explain the situation, and my immediate response was this default setting of excuses. I was like, um, okay, wait, listen, uh, I can't do this because I'm going to be 40 soon, I'm going to be an empty nester, and uh, I'm going to have a career, finally, for me. So um, this guy just ignored me, and he moved on, and he thought, okay, second level here, um, and this dude knew what he was doing because he began to explain the boys and their sizes and what their personalities were, and it got me when he said, one is itty-bitty, and the other one is round like a butterball turkey. <laughs> And I was like, oh, well, okay, well, when can I meet them? That's what I said. And um, guys, I, I actually decided this without checking with my husband. So um, don't ever do that. That was terrible wife, terrible wife move. Um, but we were like, you know what? We'll just be a small part of their life. We'll just do like holidays and weekends. We can't say no, you know. So we go up and we open the door and there were these two sweet boys. And one of them reached for Tony right away, and the other one reached for me. We were like, um, we can't say no. Where do we sign? Like, where the paperwork? Like, we want to bring them home today. We started that adoption process. But our fastest yes was our hardest yes to live out in real life. There were many dark days where I thought, God, why would you set me backwards? Like, I'm a girl of a timeline, okay? I'm a girl of one, two, three. Like, I love that life, you know? And I began to ask him, why? Even though these children were precious, like, why? And God began to help me understand that all these identities that I have gathered over the years, that a lot of them were just gathered by me. There were some by him, but that he had an identity for me from the very beginning. I began to study in Psalms. 139, 13 through 15, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place. The word that stuck out for me most was the word secret. 
Did you know that for a moment in time, God had the secret and it was you? Before your mom knew, before a doctor or nurse opened up any kind of positive test result, God saw you. He began to create you with his hands, placing his fingerprints all upon your heart. He adored you. He saw you. He loved you. And he was so proud of you. And he is still so proud of you. So as I began to look up over all these identities in my life, I began to wonder, can it be that I know I'm all these things, but I began as the Father, as his. You are his. No matter where you're at right now in life, no matter how many mistakes you've made, you belong to him, and he loves you, and he is still so proud of you. Did you know that your beginning was with God and that your ending will be with God? So proudly wear this identity as his because he so proudly wears his identity as your creator and your father. Welcome the wonderful Miss Sue Miller. I'm the rest of life. I won't tell you my age as these girls have done. Um, I have a birthday this week and I love my birthdays. I tell my grandchildren every month, how many months before my birthday. If you ask any of my grandchildren when my birthday is, they'll know exactly. I love it, but I'm not going to tell you because uh, you might leave me at Meadow Grove <laughs> next week. <laughs> oh, I can associate though with every one of them. I've been there. And I'm at the age now where my strong-willed daughter is dealing with some issues sometimes with her daughter. And I just smile and look at her and say, oh, God is just, you know, <laughs> it's good. But when Philip and I dropped our last, our fourth child, our last child off at college in Southern Ohio, we went on down to Columbia, South Carolina because Philip was working there that week. And usually when we're alone in the car and we just talk, chatter, enjoy being together. But that day, in September of 95, we didn't say a word until we stopped for a late lunch in Virginia. We were both lost in our own thoughts. I could see the tears and his rolling down his face. They were rolling down mine. We both knew that the greatest ministry we would have in life, that hands-on ministry with our children, was over. And he would go on working. But I'd been a stay-at-home mom. And the future just looked out there. I didn't know what it was going to do. I would no longer look like the lady, the sculptor, because I didn't have that much to do. I'd packed my last lunch. But God had a plan. I think if you know an empty nester, 
one who is going to be one, just send them the verse you send to high school graduates where God says, I have, plan I have plans for you to give you a future and a hope because that's true. What I didn't know then was that he had been preparing me, molding me, and shaping me all along for what I was going to do when it looked so empty out there. Because for 20 years, I had been teaching the senior high girls Sunday school, and I loved teaching them. I wanted them to love the Word of God. I wanted them to see that it comes alive, that it's relevant to their lives today. It's vital. And I had pastors that trusted me enough that they let me write my own material. And so all those years, I had been studying the Word of God and preparing these lessons. And five years before we left Katie there at school, I had been made president of our statewide fellowship. And I didn't know a lot of the women throughout the state in all the corners and in the middle. And so I had begun to visit the churches and get to know the women. And as I did, they had started to ask me to come speak at their Bible study to give my testimony or to speak at mother-daughter, some of their retreats. But in those in this years since then, God has so enlarged my borders, I could never have dreamed where I would go to teach the Word of God and to share with women of all these different ages the scriptures and my life experiences to encourage them, keep on keeping on, wait on the Lord, all those things that, that they need to hear to keep going. But also, I have a plate that says, a parent's love is a lifetime of caring. And that's true. They may be hundreds of miles away, as some of my children are. But God still wanted me not to have that hands-on daily ministry, but the hands-up ministry in prayer to support them, to pray for them. And God had not only enlarged my borders, he enlarged my family. I have 17 grandchildren of all ages. Our house is pandemonium when they're all there. It wasn't made for 31 people to be in there. but I can support them in prayer. At this time of life, my schedule isn't so full, except when I'm out and about traveling. I have my mornings that I can devote to study and prayer. And as Pastor Travis, the Lord has spoken to us through him in this series of, of lessons, messages, that we would realize that our culture no longer appreciates the standard of the Word of God. They want to establish their culture. And I've lived long enough that everything that I've known to be good, they call evil, and everything that's evil, they call good. And Jesus prayed for all of us, and I pray for my family every day, that prayer that he prayed in Gethsemane, 
that though they're in the world, they won't be of it. And that they will be lights in the darkness wherever he takes them. It's my desire, Philip's and my desire, and our prayer that all of our descendants, till Jesus comes, will hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But that then makes my responsibility and my privilege to pray for them. And I do, every day, by name. And if I see those things in their lives that concern me, I learned a long time ago not to nag them, but to nag God about what I see and let him make the changes from the inside out. And God has been faithful. He has been so faithful to honor his word. And I appreciate even this season of life. I read a quote last spring in a book, and I really thought this is true of where I am. Though age brings pains and griefs, it also brings the perspective to know what is important. The inner vision to sift through life's sweet and chaff and to know joy in the simplest of pleasures. Lists don't have to get done. God has taught me so much. I don't know how I got here this quickly. You won't either when you get here. Believe me, you'll think, how did I get here this quickly? But in every season of life, we have the privilege and the responsibility as believers to serve and be obedient to and to bring honor and glory to our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to do. I want to finish well and help the young ones along the way. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, you are faithful. I can stand here and say that through all the stages of life, you have remained faithful. Through all the griefs and heartaches, you have remained faithful. And Lord, your word is true. Somehow you take it all and you work it together for good to bring honor and glory to yourself and to make us more like Jesus. And I just pray for all, all of us here that, Lord, it will be our desire to remain faithful in this dark, dark world in which we live. And I ask this in the name of your precious Son, Jesus. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate these guys one more time, these ladies up here? How amazing was that? Thank you, guys. So I'm not sure that maybe you can uh, really, truly appreciate um, the fact that, that, that we're a church that's only seven, eight years old, and God is already providing a great depth and wealth of wisdom and resource within our church um, these are ladies who are just made up right from our own church family. 
And so God is working and moving in a strong way. And I'm so thankful for the words of wisdom. So awesome. Seriously, fantastic. Stacy, you made me cry a little bit. That was awesome. Um, I loved it. We are going to be wrapping up this series next week. And before we're kind of dismissed today, I really want to challenge you. I try not to say this too often because I could wear it out. Um, but I really want to emphasize it when I know it's super important. I want you to try as, as much as possible to be here next week and join us in person, okay? Next week is going to be a very important uh, teaching for us. We've had a number of people really respond to this series and ask some, some very strong questions, especially around the area of, of what does it look like really to make my home into a Christian home, from disciplining my children to training and raise. You've talked about what does it actually look like? And so next week is going to be very practical about our home. It's going to be the last, uh, last sermon in this series, which is always kind of the, the pinnacle, if you will, of the series. So if you could, I want you to be here, okay? Make it a priority. Be here. Invite some of your friends. Bring them here. And let's see God do some amazing things. Amen? Thanks for listening to this message from Covenant Church. For more information on our ministries or to hear more messages just like this, visit us at covenantchurch.us.